get tyranny dealt the cards normalcy. You deal with it the way you can deal with it, whether it's wise or unwise. Whilst, and I guess in my case, with the, I got injured when neurosurgery was in a strange spot. It was still pretty fucking barbaric. So all the big doctors and shit were like, nah, we're not doing it. So no, what no, exactly no. did you, did what exactly was your, was your issue? I had three crushed discs from just doing gigs, yeah. Was, was it from an accident or was it from headbanging? Oh no, head banging it, was, it was uh, accumulative. Show after show after show. I've been doing shows since I was 14. Right. Turned 50 this year, so I guess I was about 24 when the first disc blew out. And then, of course, once you blow one, all the cartilage will go going into the next one. The next one goes. Degenerative disc disease begins, what happens, really. And uh, I guess by the time we were, Pantera was like on the top of a freaking world, I had three crushed discs. So there was really no enjoying much for me, man. So you were touring full time with those injuries? Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, that's yeah, I had no choice. I mean, yeah. what do you do? Turn to the your band and say, I'm staying home. We got the number one record on the earth. You know, yeah. it's like you can't. You yeah, know? the band's peaking. Yeah, and they don't understand your pain. They don't, they can't feel it. So it's like, right. come on, you know, have a drink, shake it off. It's like, it's Oof, something it's, you can't. I Ooh, I got done. I'm on. I had my second one January this year but I will tell you an interesting turnaround though it's a trippy story I'll keep it short I had the surgery last day of January 2018 two months later I quit taking all the damn pain medications and all that stuff it was driving me bananas I wanted to feel what my body felt like without anything I just wanted to feel the real deal um and not long after that, oddly enough, I went to the dentist. My biggest gripe out of this whole ordeal has been the sciatica nerve that goes all the way down my left leg and just burns like fire under your skin and you cannot get to it. And there's no pain medication that can get to it. There's no med you know, you it's like... Yoga? Say again? Tried yoga? I've done all that shit, man. I've done Pilates, yoga. I've done, I've, from back rehab, shit. In 2006, I had, a, I still have eight titanium clamps and screws in my lower back. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's from 2006. You must look good through it. Actually, it doesn't really go off because it it's titanium. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. But anyway, my, wow. Hey, you've been a singer for years? Ooh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. That was a good catch. It was. No, not really. But uh, <laughs> going back to what I was saying, man, I went to the freaking dentist, which when you're a musician, it's like, and you're living the life and you're living on the road, it's like, well, when's the last time you've been to the dentist becomes like a... like A, a joke. Yeah, it's like, man, it's been so long. Well, two back molars, I guess, were destroyed. And on my left side, and I knew this happened. I'm trying to get my... Yeah, 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 okay. So, yeah. On my left side of my jaw, in the back, I had a blown-out molar. It was bedhead broken. I had 
pieces of my teeth and my and it's been it had been broken for over a decade. I went to the damn dentist. They did all their work, and they yanked these teeth. The burn was gone. Uh, you kidding? Gone. I mean, I got a little numb, numbness and stuff like that left, but the aggravating, miserable pain was gone. And it was like, wow. That's crazy. It is all connected, you it know? It is all connected. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I wonder, I wonder if, like, that was like, it was like a biome thing in your gut, too. That maybe, like, the shit, the dead shit in your mouth was going in. Correct. And, like, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything's possible. It's all I, I believe it. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, but no one ever mentioned that to you, ever, well, Exactly. Right? You know, it's like you, you go to the doctor, and he's a neurologist, neurosurgeon, or something like that. What was interesting was I told my neurologist about the same little story, and he the look on his face was like, oh, shit. You know, it was, it was interesting because he's a well-known dude. He's very respected in the field. And it, it kind of caught him by surprise because I was curious if any other patient had ever mentioned anything like this to him, you know? And he mentioned, oh, well, maybe something here and somewhere. Well, I was like, dude, I'm telling you. Right. Yeah. I'm First telling hand, you, this you know. is exactly what happened. So you know the back doctor isn't going to send you to the dentist. Hey, before I look and do anything, when's the last time you were at the dentist? You know, they're not going to do that. <laughs> You know, so it's a. Even if they do the know, they're not going to tell. System nowadays, and whatnot. Nowadays, yeah, it's everybody versus everybody. Yeah, I was listening to Joe Rogan the other day, and he was talking about he's got blown out discs in his neck. And the doctor, the, one of the first things they said, they didn't want to do surgery on him. Anything but surgery. So, so it was like, which is weird to me because that's how hospitals make a lot of money. But, uh, but the first thing he told the doctor told him was to get the gluten out of your system. Like there, there's certain oh, yeah, foods yeah, that are yeah. inflammatory. Yes. And so you take that and it makes it exasperates whatever problem you have times ten. Look, it and does. He said like his change in diet completely changed everything for him. It's interesting. I believe you know, that. It's like it's, some, I it's something it a lot of doctors because they just want to fucking operate. You know, it's like or or throw pills at you. Yeah, well, right, you know, that's just, the business just model. do it. Oh, the pills big time. And the little secrets I know now, you don't need the fucking pills, and it's been under our nose for yeah. millennia. Yeah. Absolutely. Fucked, man. It's totally fucked. The answer. That's all capitalism bullshit. Man. Big time. Now, hey, I'm not going to get too down on capitalism, no, no, but I'm with you on that. It's extreme capitalism. Yeah, it is extreme well, capitalism to the point where it is not beneficial to the citizens. Exactly. It's not. A business model that's about profit more than people's health exactly. is wrong. No Boom. matter what your politics wrong. are. Agreed. Agreed. That, yeah, there are certain things that shouldn't be for profit as a general rule. Medicines, but man. Medicines should be a something we spread like... Yeah. Information, you know, like wildfire, healthcare. You know, like healthcare. If, if America really wants to be seen as a forward thinking country, to me, taking care of the denizens would be what? Top priority? Yeah, yeah of yeah. course. Yes. Yeah, I think one thing that, that it really always bothered me, and this is totally off subject because there is a That's particular fine. subject yeah, I want to yeah. talk about, sure. um, is, is we're the only country in the world that keeps people alive when they're dying. For years, I've it's always believed bucks. in the Kevorkian yeah. well, way, you know. No, I, I just do. But I, just the idea. Well, that's like the freedom these, of choice. The exactly. Kevorkian method. These yes. people getting fifty thousand dollars surgeries, and you know they aren't going to. They're never going to leave the fucking hospital. They're oh, just going right. to live for another six months, and it's just the hospital getting money yeah. for these fucking surgeries off of insurance. 
and it's like, and these people's quality of life is shit. It's garbage. It's shit, and it's, yeah. it's nobody wants to see it. The family doesn't want to fucking see it. Nobody. This it's prolonging suffering. Only fucking country in the world that does it. <sighs> it's fucked. It's it like that shit upsets me, man. It's fucking bullshit. Anyway, hi Phil. Hey. <laughs> What's up, man? It's good to see you. Oh, man. Welcome back to St. Vitus. It's oh, always a pleasure. I love yeah. this place. Yeah. Hopefully, it's gonna be better than your Mulcahy's experience the other day. <laughs> what was that? Long Island. Uh, oh, right. yeah, it was still a good show, man. That cool. was still a good show. Just you know. Just kidding. Nah. Don't want to talk shit. Um, <laughs> sure I do. We're from there. So. Yeah, hey. That's where we're from. Uh, so I had we're a sorry. Good, it was a good show. <laughs> no, it was a good show. Luckily, like a Sublime cover band didn't open for you. Oh, I saw. I heard about those murals. Yeah. Jesus, what's hey, that? That's what people go to. It's cool. Um, I wanted to talk about music. Because the last time you were here, or the first time you were here for that down photo shoot, I remember talking to you, and you said one of the funniest things fucking ever that I'd love to repeat when people were like, like, oh, I thought I thought those guys were all sober. And like, and you, I, I, I said, actually, I walked in and I was like, I thought I was walking into an AA meeting here, and you guys were all drinking and shit, smoking weed. And you like, you look at me and you go, I am sober, rock and roll sober. And you take a huge hit with <laughs> I still smoke weed, but I have not had a drink going on three years. That's great. That's yeah. great, man. Great. I just I feel better about it and just knowing when I go to bed that night that I'm not gonna wake up hungover is like oh, oh yeah. It's, so much energy. it's like a relief, man. Well, I mean you have an energy about you now and a healthier look and a sharper way. Oh, dude, yeah. Than, than yeah. The, it's like night and day when Seriously, I met you're looking twelve years, years younger. Yeah, man. Yeah. And, okay, well like there you machine. there you go. Case in point, opiates. That's the battle. That's been my battle for years and years and years. Even when I wasn't abusing the stuff, man. Like for the last, I would say since 2006, I would take, I w- it would drive me crazy to take even half a pill. Because it was just in my mind. I didn't want to deal with the pain killers. But dealing with the pain itself was just, it was like such a catch-22. The lesser of two evils? Uh, the worst of two evils. So, But yeah, I was just like, man, there's got to be another way. And I did do some digging. And, oh, man, I wish I, I want to talk freely about it, but I'll talk to you all after yeah, yeah, this. No problem. Just to let you know, and you'll understand why I'm not going to name it by name. You'll understand. Yeah, of course. No of course. problem. But there is help out there, and I suggest everybody... Do a little research, and if anybody's struggling with the fear of quitting the opiates and the sickness and all that shit, because that's a legit fear, but it's also kind of puffed up by the bullshit anxiety that you get from the opiate, go for it, meaning quit taking the stuff, be brave. If it keeps you up for a night or two, it's worth it when you do find the solution. Because when you find the solution, you want your body to be clear of all that other garbage. And you want to give the natural, it is purely natural stuff, a fighting chance without any of that other garbage in you. You want it to hit you pure. So, yeah, I mean... Congratulations for, you know, that's great. Thank yeah, you. man. Yeah, yeah, it's I, great to see you like this. I appreciate it. Thank you all, man. for the show tonight. The, uh, um, so this is for it's for a couple of things. It's for our podcast, which is a ridiculously long podcast. We just, we just oh, you know man. Blasco, right? We just had Blasco on for 
Blasco. Yeah, yeah, of course, yes. We just had him for fucking two and a half hours. That's cool, man. Um, but yeah, the, uh, I've done long podcasts yeah, before it's, it's YouTube super fun. and shit. I know we're not going to be able to today. But I wanted to ask you... Um, I'd come on at a different time, though. Hit me up yeah, when sure. I'm home, man. Yeah. We'd love that. Um, so we're... Super, like the, What I was bringing up before is the, last, the first time you ever came here. We talked for, I don't know, a fucking hour and a half. Yeah. You were like throwing like, obscure 80s demos at me and shit. And, like, you're just like, man, I got that. It's just like you were on fire, oh. and it was fire because I think I, I think Witchfinder General was on. Oh, uh, that sounds familiar. And, yeah, and uh, and you went through over to my playlist. You're like, this is fucking awesome. Like, and we just started talking. And when we came in, like uh, when I talked to Liz about this, uh, but she was like, oh, she asked me for a list of questions, and I was like, I was like, I'm not giving you questions. There's no fucking way. But I will tell you that I want Phil to tell me what his top five metal records of all time are. Ugh. And That's so impossible. I know. So we had we had Jimmy Bauer and uh, no Jesus. And Mike I apologize. No, I'm kidding. Those, <laughs> well, those are, guys are those are my hilarious. brother. They're great. They're, They're great. hilarious. They're great. Um, it was hard to get anything serious out of. Them. No shit. But it was impossible. I but know. they talked a lot about. I, I, I would imagine that your shit was, was similar in that like they like the, the mixture of hardcore and metal and all the things that they were fucking into. It yeah. Was like, it was like that was a really long one for us too because we were just like every time they named a band go, it's it's yeah. tails off into a million other what, yeah, yeah. side if you could bars. if you could narrow it down Ugh. just throwing throwing at the top of your head what a life changer okay right off the top of my head um, unleashed in the east Judas Priest nice. great live album uh, if it is a live album right, but yeah. still it's just those, those versions of those songs yeah. man yeah. Yeah. victim of changes green man Alicia incredible God a little heavier a little and the guitar tones yeah, yeah great Le- Les Binks drum tones too man yeah. for heavy metal yeah. kick drum sound uh, Hella Waits oh my god Slayer's Hella Waits for me was Oh, I, I couldn't believe it. It was like the ultimate band. Do you remember how you heard it? Yes. Um, me and a good friend of mine, it was like the only other kid in the, my part of New Orleans in this little tiny neighborhood with an Iron Maiden shirt. You know, we saw each other like across a <laughs> uh, parking lot of a grocery store one time. It's like, hey, man, what's going on? You know, I'm a drummer. I'm a singer. Yeah, all right, let's get together. And uh, we were watching as metal grew and metal grew and different bands were cropping up here, there, and bands that were making a difference. And, you know, Show No Mercy was Show No Mercy, great songs, you know, but there were little parts here and there. It's like, uh, you know, I give or take. But uh, coming out with... uh, Oh, the chapel, haunting the chapel EP. That's when you knew it was getting serious. Chemical warfare, holy Jesus, and side two is great too. Incredible, but man, hell awaits. I was in my friend's van. He's like, dude, you're gonna freak out when you hear the new Slayer. Don't break anything in my van, in my van, because I I punched his dashboard to pieces. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Oh, the intro. God, it, it, I guess I was just right at the perfect age of rebellion, living in the perfect city of Catholicism, and God damn, it was beautiful, man. That, it's their darkest record, too. It's so dark. The production yeah. at Bill Matoyer, you know, Bill, Bill's great, sweet, sweet guy, but um, 
the sounds on the record, Tom's bass sound, it's all, I hate to say it, but like dead string sound. Yeah. And it probably was. But it adds to it. It does. People don't realize that, yeah. man. It's got that charm to it that yeah. cannot be faked. Exactly. Or, you know, it, shit like that happens by accident. Yeah. Or it turns out way better than you ever inve- envisioned. So it's like, ah, the faux pas worked good. What was the first time you saw Slayer? time I saw Slayer. Oh yeah, but I was also doing a lot of gigs and I would play most weekends when shows would be in town and a lot of times I'd be playing five nights a week, a week three sets a night all over freaking Louisiana and parts of Texas. So I did miss a lot of shows. I'm trying to think Slayer. I'm going to have to say either the goddamn tail end of Rain and Blood tour or the very tip of... Was it with Lombardo? Because the first... I saw him with Lombardo. Okay, that was Rain and Blood. The second yeah. time they came around on Rain and Blood, at least on the East Coast, they had a Tony Scaglione for Oh, right, right. No, this was with totally with Lombardo, and it was in Dallas, Texas, and I had a gig later that night. Slayer had come out to our gig. They got into town the night before, so they came out to our show. We met. We had an awesome time. They got up on stage with us and played Rain and Blood and oh, a few so different things. Yeah, it was like, wow. We hooked up. And this is like 88, and... Tom was uh, disqualified that night. I'll just put it like that. But that's where uh, Kerry King and I switched phone numbers and kept in touch. And he'd call me, what's going on with the man? What's going on? This and that and the other. And he'd come down and just hang out. The Slayer would have dead time. He'd come stay at my apartment and watch Pantera jam and, you know, get up and jam with us and stuff like that. So, yeah, that night was special. And it, it started this great relationship, man, with me and Kerry King, Tom, and yeah, Jeff, Jeff, man, was there that night. So and he could, Jeff could could be, like you didn't know what was going on in Jeff's mind. Sometimes you know he'd be real straight faced and dead silent. So it's like I, I don't want to bug Jeff, but other times he's grinning and poking you in the ribs. It's like where's this guy been? You know, <laughs> where? You know. So yeah, even that night, you know, Hanneman was super cool, man. Great night. About 1988. Wow, that, that must have been. I mean, it was like a, it was that, like meeting. Uh, imagine at this point you've met all your heroes. I mean, like, you know what's weird? Mostly, but I've never met David Lee Roth. I never saw Van Halen live or anything. Really? Ever, never, never wow. got, never got a chance to see him live. Uh, oh, and there was one other. I never met Morrissey, but I did see Morrissey live. I I've didn't met see Morrissey the Smith. And, and I hung out with David Lee Roth. Damn like it. Four hours. You gotta be. Dude, the guy's fucking total freak. That's what everyone <laughs> says, man. And then they were like, one of his, one. Uh, there was some guy, uh, he used to work for him. He told me, Phil, you don't want to meet David Lee Roth. <laughs> you don't want to do it, you man. You can't get a word in. Well, it's like, bruh. Yeah, we'll see. I can, ha- I can hang with uh, a bunch of them. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I would imagine, like, it's, uh, that's kind of, because my impression of you uh, is, is very much fanboy. 
in a huge way. In a what? Like a fanboy. Oh, big time, yeah. dude. That's all I am, really, man. And it's like, like, so, like, you know, obviously you eventually got to a point where you were probably as big or bigger than a lot of the bands. Yeah. Well, especially something like the obscure shit, obviously. Of course. Cult stuff, yeah, of course. Right, right, right. But even the bigger names, even the ones was you it, really, well, yeah, I, was, I mean, there any you level, you, was there ever a situation where you were like, somebody came up to you, like, like you're in the fucking height of your stardom? And like fucking superstar, Snake and Terry's huge. I'm tightening it up. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> Twisting knots, sorry. And, and they're like, they're like, oh, I'm blah, blah, blah. And you're like, holy shit. Like, yeah, well, I mean, uh, Iggy Pop was a trip. It was like, we he was going on stage. We were in Europe, I guess. And it was a big festival situation. And Iggy was going to the stage. And I was just coming out of my dressing room. And... We ran into each other, and I didn't know if he'd know who the fuck I was at all, man. But I said to Iggy, and he shook my hand. He's like, hey, Phil. And he just kept walking. I was like, damn. <laughs> wow, that was cool awesome. Yeah, I was just, I'll take it, man. That's great. Uh, Tom G. Warrior was, like, similar to that, man. First time I ever met him, I was really like, oh, man, geeky and shit. Uh, trying to think. I, yeah, the Rob Halford thing, you know, okay. dude. What's that? What's that? Me, we were, we were on our first biggish, uh, well, not first, but I'll say about 1990. Uh, we had already toured with Suicidal and Exodus around the States. And I think we were off on our own little leg of it, man. It's, it brought us up to Canada. And... We had just gotten into a room, and for some reason that day, me and Dimebag were in the hotel room together, and the phone rang. And he answered the phone, and he had the strangest look on his face, and he just offered me the phone. He just he got this weird look on his face, and he went to hand me the receiver. I'm like, what? What's, what is this? I was thinking cops. You know, I'm like, what, <laughs> what do we do now? So I grabbed the phone, and it's this British accent on the other end and I'm like wait 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 who is this and it was Rob Halford he got with the promoters he got our information where we were staying and he said I'm gonna come out to the show tomorrow night and I just want to meet you guys I was like please you know I, I yes sir <laughs> sounds good sir talk then click he was the nicest, coolest motherfucker, and boy, what a perfect little setup that was, because the Pantera boys knew albums worth of Judas Priest material, man, so he got up and jammed with us, and it was, oh my God, that was awesome. awesome, such a fanboy moment, man, I was just saucer-eyed, I guess is what they said, <laughs> it was amazing, man. That's so killer, like, yeah, it's, I, mean, it's, it's, I, mm, I got another one. Oh, please do. Brian May. Oh, sick. Oh, wow. I was in Britain. I had the a fever. I was fluish, and we were playing the, the marquee, I guess it was, and something like that. And we had a show. It was a show. I was aggravated, whatever, after the show, and I was sitting up in the dressing room. It was this one little closet area I was just sitting in. I wanted to be away from everybody and I was sweating and I was thinking about the show, what I could have done better, bad, whatever, all this and here I see this view 
that there's a doorway and this six foot six all dressed in white fellow walked by and it was just too proud. I was like, Brian May? And he turned back around and looked right at me and walked in. He had brought his son to the show. His son was a fan and he says to me, oh, I didn't think you guys would even know who we were. What? <laughs> we will, we will rock you. I mean, it's like, it's like um, Brian, Brian, Brian. Not only do do I know who Queen is? I'm a huge fan. Maybe like Night at the Opera and et cetera. We could talk Queen. Sheer Heart Attack. All those records. But I mean, it's impossible not to have heard of Queen. It's like, sir, surely you're jesting. That dude sat down and talked to me for two hours. Just sitting there shooting the shit. Nice as fuck. My fever disappeared. <laughs> I felt so much better, man. Yeah, he's that, like a rocket scientist. Like God, so man, it's he's such brilliant. a sweet yeah, dude. Got, he like went on to like do something. He's a scientist with guitar tones, oh, man, yeah. and just what he has done for the sound of guitar. And I can see where he would admire where Dimebag had taken those principles he laid down. Yes, I could see it. Yeah. I could totally see it. I was like, oh. You know, and he, like I say, uh, and made my night totally awesome, dude. Uh, yeah, down to earth as fuck, just real easy going, and God, just, yeah, you, you got to do like a double and triple take and make it. It's like, man, I can't even believe this is happening. Yeah, super, rules, man. man. So when we had a, we had a Kirk on, on, on Winston? Yeah. My man. Um, we, Wait, so we've been, uh, no one. Yeah, there's a theme, I guess. Now that I think about it. Um, uh, yeah, the, the, uh, it was interesting because he talked about a lot of the similar bands that, that Jimmy and, and, uh, and Mike talked about, and like it, it got kind of oddly obscure pretty quickly, especially when they brought up Winter, which that was, was like, crazy. Like, were you were you like listening to a lot of that? Well, I love that first Winter music? record. Like, those guys are like, yeah. Frost. It was and what was it? Uh, Eternal, Eternal Frost. Eternal Frost. I love that album, man. Oh, man. Hey, uh, go like yeah. childhood friends. Yeah, man. Since 14 it's, a, it's a great album. It's, it's amazing. A, yeah. Way ahead of its time. Big what was, time. What was interesting about it was just like the, the, the we, we asked Kirk about where they got the idea about playing so slow. Melvin's. Yep. I was there. <laughs> <laughs> Melvin's took over the brain of New Orleans, it really did. Jimmy, Jimmy Bauer really just uh, immersed himself in it. And uh, everybody else was like interested in checking it out. And they were, for that time when thrash metal was just getting faster, death metal was just picking up its pants and going. The Melvin stuck out like a freaking, I won't say sore thumb, but like a three-pronged freaking thumb, man. They were a freak, you know? They were freakish in the stuff that they would do because they're both complex and raw at the same time. And we're talking about gluey, gluey porch treatment. Yeah. And then was Ozma? Yep. Two. Those man, two those two were those just... Those two and Bullhead were just like... But really, those two, man, were just like, oh my God, man, this band is... 
very different and very talented, and they know what's up, man. And uh, the Dale's behind the beat on, on grooves, the drummer, just to be clear for any listener. Dale, oh, what a drummer, man. And, and, and it jived, I think, with Jimmy and all the New Orleans guys because we're used to that lazy New Orleans style of playing where it is on the backbeat, you know, uh, behind the beat, if you will. Bill Ward uh, style, uh, um, John Bonham style, that style. And uh, whereas in what's interesting, like, if you, like, when I moved to Texas, most drummers were upbeat on the upbeat, you know? Vinnie Paul's upbeat guy, blue from the illegals. He's an upbeat guy. So you got to teach him, you know? It's like, man, so you got to... It's regional, gotta, in a way? It is, it is. That's from my... Experience? Yes, especially in the late 80s and 90s, you know? It was like uh, New Orleans was behind the beat. Dallas was on top of the beat or ahead of the beat, and it was just that's just how it was. I felt like I had the best of both worlds. So, you know, plus there's rigor mortis too, band like that. They, yeah. Back then they were for thrash, and I still say thrash has its own power of its own. You know, um, anyone who says Mike Scotia was not fast. Oh, God, he was... They were wrong. Amazing. No, he's the fastest. It's the fastest right, right hand I've ever seen in my life. And I used to go watch him practice just to stare at his freaking right hand. It's, it was <laughs> We called it the hummingbird, man. So there's nothing wrong with being on top of the beat. It's, uh, it's a different vibe. It's a, it's a totally different vibe, but you can have a good mixture. And I believe it or not, I think they're with the illegals. I do. Uh, cross up those fields here and there, so it's kind of fun, you know, with those guys, especially because the younger guys, you know, like Blue, our drummer, you know, he's really, really, his roots are early death metal into modern day death metal, and for him to like get a gig playing for Superjoint or this band or anything like that, you know, it, it takes a lot. <sighs> God. We even had, on this tour, we've already had the, can you please slow down a little crisis? You know, it's like, <laughs> we need to watch our tiempre. We need to watch that time, man. Slow down. Well, you especially notice it as a singer. You're going to notice that. Yeah, yeah but my guitar up. players it's are the ones that are freaking out because it's like squeezing in all this stuff on top of, <laughs> trying to get the notes it's in. already fast. It's like, Jesus Christ. That's why it's called a blast beat, you <laughs> motherfuckers. What are you going to do, speed it up more? You're going to ruin the fucking... The riff. What did you think the first time you heard a blast beat? Uh, to me, it was like... And who was it? This is Cryptic Slaughter. Uh, was it Cryptic or was it... No, because I'll, I'll, blast beats, I'll, if you do your homework, so go was. listen to Infernal Majesty, Satan None Our Savior. Defy. None Shall Defy record, Satan Our Savior, that song. The yeah. chorus of that song is a freaking slow blast beat. And he's doing do, 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 on his feet, saying, I say, I'd have to hear it again, but it is a blast. And technically, it's a blast as far as what the guy plays. But um, there was also the original Incubus from New Orleans yes. that was fast as 
fuck. And a lot of people could say that was the thrash beat, just a hyper, hyper thrash beat, which is different than a blast beat. Um, but at the same time, put next to a blast beat, it was very similar in tempo. And at the same time, they put out their Serpent Temptation demo. I went home that weekend after I collected that demo, and sure enough, there it was at the record store, Napalm Death Scum. There it yeah. was. So it was like, okay, let's see who's faster, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, well, you got to pick Napalm there because it's, I guess we're talking blast beats there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but Blasco brought up the. Oh, yeah, uh, cryptic yeah, slaughter, yeah. yeah fast for the sake of fast. That's as close you can get without blasting in the traditional sense. Yeah, with feet and everything. Yeah, exactly. yeah Correct. And, you know, then death metal took blast to a more, a more polished... Yeah. You know, no, playing jazz made hands. an art yeah. with, yeah, Death Spell Omega, Where, you know? the, or the early stuff was coming more from, like, really sped up, like, crusty DB. Agreed. Or, or early, mid-80s hardcore. Yeah, that's what it was. Played at manic speed. Exactly. Except for Repulsion. They kind of mixed it with death metal and created their own... That that Those Repulsion demos, a, a different feel. It's almost like Cryptic Slaughter, but more ferocious or something. Like a suck, too, from yeah, Florida. Oh, yeah, yeah they did the same freaking thing. Yeah. yeah. I saw them many times. Yeah, they were incredible. <laughs> they were probably the best grind band I've ever seen. Ooh, wow. You saw no. the original Anal Cunt then, I guess, I'm taking No, I've I did. John I saw and Tim. I saw play, which is a basement like this. There were six people. It was Anal Cunt and Psycho. What year, though? 90. And that's with John and Tim? Yeah. 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 They were... Uh, that was a Exactly. I played with them in 2008. It was just before he died. Maybe that's Josh playing. Oh, we yeah. played with him then, too. That was the later one. And Josh just died, too, man. Yeah, the guitar that was player. another free He thing. fell. Yeah. Jesus, God. That was insane. Whew. Man. Yeah, that's weird. Terrible. Terrible news. But, yes, uh, fast music, though. Fast. Oh, yeah, totally. Oh, yeah. yeah. And unhinged. Yeah. Totally like unhinged. falling off. And complex in its own way. Super complex. If you know all that noise, I saw John Kozik two nights ago. He's, we, we keep in touch. Guitar player for Handle Cup. I actually got his red guitar for one of my birthdays a couple birthdays ago. It's an old Sonics, man, and those things. They quit making them. But, man, those Sonics, they sound good. They play good. They feel good. Me and Jimmy used to use them exclusively uh, Exclusively for super joint. It's kind of a tongue twister there. <laughs> Exclusively for super joint. So, uh, yeah. yeah, so I keep in touch with John, and even, man, he goes into the fact that they really knew all that stuff. They really practice every little Which is incredible. Thing. It is. Because most people yeah. don't think any thought went into it. Oh. <laughs> and you can tell there's They're more wrong, on. yeah. Yeah, if you got the ears, you can tell. Yep. They're, 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 they're real. They're for yeah. real. They knew that shit. It's Definitely. impressive. Whatever you think of it, it's impressive. So what? Uh, what like, on the? We can switch gears over to the hardcore side of life. Um, Jeez, I feel. Which obviously I've forgotten more than I remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, in seeing like Pantera, when you guys were on MTV and shit like that, it was kind of like, as a hardcore kid, it was like, where'd this guy come? Right. You know, it was like, it's weird. Like, he's like with a bunch of hashers, but like this dude 
doesn't look like hash. Which actually worked really well. I got sick level. of it, man. That's my thing. I wanted to prove that we could live in that or exist. Not even coexist. We could stomp out the whole. And no offense, David Lee Roth and all you David Coverdales and even me from the middle uh, 90s when I had long hair again, when I grew it back out. But at the time, it was like a prerequisite demand. The lead singer had to have long hair and all this shit. I was like, God damn, I am so sick of this shit. I'm sick of playing clubs. We had built up the whole Pantera reputation, rebuilt the, the reputation up on heavier music with me. They might have been one band or whatever when I wasn't in the band. But when I joined, it was for the sole fact that Dimebag had told me they wanted to go into a heavier direction. And I said, I'm your man. Let's go. So I started playing everything for them guys, which is an interesting thing. You know, they hated a great bunch of it, but the Melvins, Vinnie Paul, of all people, jumped in. It was like, damn, that's a killer drum sound. Bingo. He's right. He's right. He's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it slowly started. They're like, whoa. Ah. And what was magic about getting the Pantera boys on my side was meeting Kerry King. Because I'll be honest, like, uh, Dime and them, I don't think Dime really had a... Uh, he didn't know what to make of Slayer. I'm like, there is power there, man. There is power. There's power. He's like, well, what's Was it like, not, well, was it too fast for him? Or was it, like, it was, he like, okay, okay. This is back in the day where you could suss it out by saying there were some people that liked Metallica and some people liked Slayer. Yeah. So he loved the Metallica, major key, um traditional songwriting, in-key leads, all yeah. that type shit. Yeah, Kerry King's leads probably. Well, not Kerry. Well, all him and Jeff, yeah. they were all out of their freaking minds. Yeah. Hey, what key are they in? <laughs> you know, wonder key. But um, uh, when Kerry came down and wanted to jam and get up on stage with us one weekend, he taught Dimebag the correct way to play Random Blood. That changed everything. It changed fucking everything. Dimebag was like, oh, I see. It's a challenge. Is There's an attack there. He got it. It was like, I pulled Kerry King in the next room. I'm like, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Hugging him. Thank you. They won't listen to me. But yeah, man, uh, that helped a whole bunch, man. But to get back to the image thing, I did it on purpose in the, the Mohawk just to say, fuck off. We're still playing your clubs. We're going to sell it out. But we don't have to dress up like Motley Crue. We ain't got to do all that because it was demanded back in the club days. You had to look a certain way. You had to do whatever. That's why most of my friends avoided the clubs. But I just happened to, man, I could sing Judas Freeze really well from a young age. Full voice, no falsetto. I matured quickly. And I was always in a band with older older people who had been in the club scene and have done it before and Pantera was really no different they just their talent level was through the freaking roof it was just taking that talent and challenging it and also helping them refine because I, to cut to the chase on that 
Pantera was the type of band that would save the money riff, like the the last riff. To and me, to me, it's it. like that's the riff you should start the damn song with, and then we'll find another money riff. What's interesting is that I found I found like the when I, I remember first hearing it, and I was like, I was like, this sounds like you know a, a hardcore band that plays a gratuitous mosh part at the end. You know, it's like the, 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 like I heard that a thousand times before at a hardcore show, like with fifteen people. It was like, here comes the bit, you know, and everybody starts getting yeah, ready, yeah, ready yeah, to yeah. go. And it was like to, to see that on MTV in a, in a mainstream level was yeah. fucking weird. Yes, it was especially really at a time when metal was starting to die. Which was and crazy. we and we wouldn't stop. We well, were the we we were like no, we are heavy metal. That's it. Well, you waved the flag almost. Off. You yeah, put it mean, through the nineties. Yeah. yeah, when when it wasn't it was a on your word. back. It was. It was a dirty word. And we, we we used to get warned like after we did a Great Southern Trend Killer like it was like the first night of the tour. It was in a big place, a nice size little stadium. I forgot where the fuck we were. And my tour manager comes up to me and he's like, hey man, you know. Times are changing, man. Uh, you know, if we don't fill these rooms up, you know, it's just, you know, different kids, different music, different generation, all this shit. I'm like, what are you talking about, motherfucker? And uh, sure enough, the whole place was packed. He was wrong. People wanted heavy metal you know still. What it was, though, dude? Honestly, like, and, and this is something I got, I, I did a record with, uh, at Snake Sabo's house in this studio uh, in Jersey in the mid 90s. And uh, I actually spoke to you on the phone because I wow. did this phone. Because um, <laughs> uh, me and Snake have a particular sense of humor. I can. Oh well, that, that was what I was going to bring up. Yeah. Like, like Pantera. What I was going to say is like, yeah, the rooms are filled because it, I always say metal is fun. It's fucking. Super we fun. were fun. And you guys. So I, I before like like it was all sorts. Of, I know you guys put out a couple of um, VHS tapes at that point. Oh yeah, like, yeah. the like home videos. Yeah. I got to watch all of Snake's stuff because I basically was sleeping on his couch. Right next to the kegerator, and uh, and I was like, I would like slip in these VHS tapes, and it was all your guys' tours. Oh yeah, I was fucking hysterical. Uh, I was like, this shit is so much fun, and you know it's funny because I've met Sebastian Bach did a, a signing here, and he's a he's perfectly nice, but watching those videos, I was like, oh my god, I want to fucking kill this guy. Like as soon as he opened his mouth, he was annoying. <laughs> like this guy's so. I'm glad annoying. you said that. I know you don't. Want, you don't. I know it's not worth talking shit. It's stupid. But like, he's he, he did a book signing here. It was super nice. I actually asked him. I told him I was recorded at Snakes, and he's like, "Is that before or after I took a shit on his front lawn?" And I was like, Dude, "Really? Like, what the fuck is wrong?" With you? Exactly. They, what? They. But not to get off subject. My point is, is that you guys were having so much fucking fun. And is that was that the case? Is yeah, that, it that was. was it was real. It was real as hell. It was all fun and games till. The old bone snapped in my lower back. And it happened to me young, man. C clipped me, man. I was told I was 24, man. So, yeah, it was all fun before that. And then after that, it was like, I could fake it. I could be there, but I couldn't hang out anymore, man. I couldn't. There was no just well, hanging out totally for me. It would be so it was just yeah. always in the back of my back, like that, a knife. Those fucking guys seem like that's, that was their whole it was, and man, let me tell you what. When I said, "Oh man, layoff, I'm injured, whatever," it didn't go over well. Yeah. No, it didn't go over well, and I could see. Did they take it as you were being like an egotistical singer? Man, like, well, yeah, there was, was parts of that. There were parts of maybe 
First and foremost, I gotta hammer the point home is that they couldn't feel the pain. So there's no way they could, you know, I was there, I, I'm the, the caped singer, you know, I was Superman, I was the dude. And when the dude said, man, I'm kinda hurt, I need to chill out, that it, it was like poison to their ears, you know, they were like, oh, fuck, here, here, you know, drink it off, here, have a drink. You know, numb it out with this. You know, and it's like, brothers, if I if if that really worked, I believe me, I'd be ch chugging the stuff, which I was anyway, trying to deaden any anything. But also look at it from this point of view. When I started doing heavy drugs, and uh, particularly when I overdosed, geez, in Dallas in the most embarrassing way there was no injury anymore it was just a drug problem that's how that just and you know what they're not wrong anyone that sees it like that they're not wrong there's a fucking drug problem if you're sticking a needle in your fucking arm and closing the door that's a fucking problem so I could see their side of it but at the same time, it just got to be so much that I just needed to pack it up and just get away from that huge pressure because at the time, I wasn't equipped for the fight. I was still injured. I was still drinking. I was still taking anything, potion, pill, or fucking whatever under the sun to fucking negate it, man. And... and you're not going to be at your best. You're not going to be able to explain yourself. You're not going to be able to reason when you're all fucked up and befuddled like that, man. You know, so any, like I say, they, they would just look at me like a drug addict. You know, this dude, he was a great singer once, but now look what drugs did to him. That's not a fair assessment. That is not a fair assessment. But it's not wrong either. It's weird. I'll take a ball peen hammer to your lower back and say go fucking sing on a fucking six month tour. You wouldn't like it, man. No. You would not like and it. Mentally and physically, you deteriorate. It's a beating, man. Yeah. And you got to be nice to everybody. And oh man, it's like you don't want people to talk. Hey, Phil, you don't want anybody to even yeah. fuck with you. So it, it makes you come off like. Oh, some dick, some asshole. When really, I'm. I love meeting people. I love talking shit, man. You know, meeting new people and finding out, talking music, shit like that, boxing, anything. Uh, it's an it, it, it completely pivots. It, it pivots. Good. Well, I just, I man. I, <laughs> damn. Not I, many would have ever met you. No, never one. Well, I just, it, it's regrettable. Knowing that there's certain people out there in the world that I've worked with and toured with, and they they've only known the injured version of me. You know, it's like damn, it, it's 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 regrettable. That's all. It's but I'm I, here. I'm here. I you can know. tell you something though. I mean, they plant things in your head. Before I met you that day at CB's, I told you off my back in like 2005, whatever. That I hit God gig. I had this preconceived notion of what you were. 
Yeah. Like you just sat down next to me and my bass player time, and you started talking to us for 20 minutes. Yeah. We, even, we didn't know you were in the room. Right. You sat down between us and just started the conversation for 20 minutes. Yeah, man. And I, it was the that's whole who I am. Opposite exactly. Of what would been, have been reported about you for the last few years. Exactly. And it was like, I was like, that was not what I expected. I, you know? Not that it was and that's a good. Star, that's, at least you had an open, open up mind. Yeah. We were just like two punk dudes sitting on a couch, and you sat in between us. Yeah. And we talked music, and then some personal stuff to talk about. Sure. Like, we were like, what just happened? And that—that's what Phil's like. Yeah. That's not what I thought he'd be exactly, like. Exactly, man. You know? So they loved him. And that's when you were still going through your shit. <laughs> not now, which is like a, you my know, first impression over the hurdles. On a personal level, was through Snake, and he. Oh yeah. Loved you. Oh yeah. Like, and you were going through it at that time too. Like, yeah, like, that was, like, was rough. Yeah, he was—he he wouldn't let on about a lot of shit, but he was like, "Yeah, it's not good." No, yeah. it wasn't good. They—they're all correct. I would not—I would not wish a lower back injury like that on freaking anyone, especially uh, in that. Like I say, when I when I when I bring up being dealt the cards. In life that I'm, I was dealt, it it was like I hurt my back at a time where they could not, doctors couldn't help you without ruining you. Like you know, a guinea pig, almost. I'll, I'll I'll give you this one. I finally got fed up with these specialists that they had me, you know, on the road. There's a great guy in Oklahoma. There's a great guy in Colorado. Whatever. So I'd wake up early in the morning, shuffle in there, and show them my freaking MRIs and they're just be sitting there shaking their heads going I no. So finally I said look, you're about the fifth goddamn dude who has told me no. What's going on man? He goes okay. You know why I'm telling you no? First, we're going to cut you from your xiphoid process down to your goddamn pelvis. Open you up. Take all your guts out. Set them on a tray next to you. Infuse the disc from the front first. Then we're going to put all your guts back in, sew you up, then flip you over. I was like, okay, I've heard enough. Yeah. I was like, yeah. Wow. Thanks, Doc, for not cutting on me. So, yeah, it was like that type of situation. Whereas here uh, in the 2000, late in 2018, neurosurgery is. Oh, yeah, it's way. It's, oh, it's it, come a long way. It's come a way long way. I had my surgery at 16. Do so y'all care if I do? I had my surgery at 16, so I don't think I knew anything. Jeez. How, what year was that? 1980. Ooh. Like, what did they do? How, I, how invasive? I, I, had a, uh, I had a bone spur right. on my L4 that was hitting a nerve that was atrophying my right leg. Mm. So they had to cut the bone right. off. Oh. And it was precise enough that if they fucked up a little bit, they would have. I would have lost my right leg. Exactly, wow. yeah. But That's that, always that the... Or atrophy, wow. and, you know, like, God bless my dad working for GM. He had really good health insurance. And, uh, and, and, and most of it got paid for, and we went to, like, a top doctor. But it was like, I was in pain from the time I was about 10, and I was a big sports guy. And it's finally it cuts like, it. They couldn't figure out what the fuck was, going, what was wrong with me, you know? And it's like, it's... Uh, yeah, back pain is it's just debilitating. I have to say, I it's in the center. Uh, really? Go yeah. to the freaking dentist. I'm so serious. I, I did. I did. I, have, I've only I believe had two cavities you. My whole life. So I'm, well, then I will say this. Oh, uh, they do now. If you like, if your sciatica's got a little pinch in it now, 
the way they look in MRIs now, it's a deeper look. It's a deeper, multi-dimensional look uh, from every angle. Multi-angular look, I guess I should freaking say. But, um, yeah, my doctor caught a little pinch that had been there for a long time. And the way he explained it is, it's like heavy furniture on a carpet. If you lift that furniture up, it's going to leave an indentation, but eventually that indentation is going to smooth out again. You know what I'm talking about? Like in the carpet? Yeah. Same thing with the sciatica nerve. It's the, he says that he's lifted it, and now we're just going to have to wait some months for it to open up, and when it does that, I might get some feeling back, which I, I'm not worried about that. I can deal with the numbness and whatnot. I fucking hate the numbness. It sucks. Yeah, it, it's like dragging up. Lame leg. I, you know what I always think about? I think about that David Stain story. You know that story? I don't know. He was in rehab and like he had fallen asleep with his arm. Oh, or something. I did hear that. And it fell asleep for like 20 minutes. And when Ooh. he woke up, it didn't come back. Oh. And he had that surgery because he had nerve damage. Oh, Jesus. And it was like. That made me fucking crazy. Like, so every time I wake up, I'm like, Whoa. Oh, like, no, I like, get that, too. Yeah, you sleep that. funny yeah, on it. You're you like, Jesus Christ. You put it down straight, and you're like, okay. And you can feel the blood rushing back in. Yeah. Like, thank God. Thank God. God. Jesus Christ. Weird Atheism is unstoppable, but thank <laughs> God. But uh, so another thing, that when when Pantera was in that moment, I, I, the first time I saw you guys, and I was like, again, being from the hardcore scene, I was like, Oh, has this guy seen Henry Rollins a few times? Ah, <laughs> but re- believe it or not, it was more Roger who was my biggest. Oh shit! Yeah, okay. Roger Murray, man, he was like the dude to now me. Now you man. say it, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but I can, I can totally see the Rollins thing, you know. The visual is more Rollins. It is, yeah, but yeah. I more Roger. But I get it. But I love them both, man. Yeah, Jesus yeah. Christ, I, I love them both, man. Freaking talent, super talents. Uh, but uh, in a weird way. Oh, yeah, I know Roger. I, Did you read the, his book? I haven't read it. I'm Amazing not a big book. rock book dude, but I, I bet it's, it's awesome. It's he's, he's got a crazy life. so Yeah. yeah. It's a pretty open, honest. Talent. Good, good. Man, yeah, that's a dude who's been through some rough stuff and come out, I think, pretty good at the oh, other yeah, end. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, and they're still going strong. Yeah, I mean, all those. Oh, all God, those. they're in the air still, man. Oh, yeah, Them dudes absolutely. are like doing aerobics dude, on stage. We had, we had fucking stigmas. Vinny! Uh, he, he said it was his 50th, but I'm pretty sure it was this his was 90th. <laughs> we had his birthday Somewhere party in the middle here. of both Yeah. Days. It was fucking hysterical. He came out on stage to the Rocky theme. Oh, that was amazing. It was fucking hysterical. I want to come out, like, when I'm 60, I, I, I want to come out. Uh, and, 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 and. He's down here. Respect. Walker. <laughs> you know. <it's> just, <laughs> <laughs> he was down here doing a mohawk on himself. And, like, oh, my God, it's fucking hysterical. Man. Yeah, he's <laughs> the real deal, man. Yeah. I saw Agnostic Front 1985. New Orleans, Motorhead Agnostic Front, Hollow's Eve. Wow. And Agnostic Front changed my life and stole the show they fucking stuck oh my god my sure. yeah they were not a metal band they were a hardcore band right in the center yes yeah. and my buddy my buddy tour. john sanchez was playing guitar with him at the time he's a new orleans guy baton rouge guy but still oh he was doing the tour yeah he was playing guitar uh, at the time what was the, what was the crowd's reaction to that? they loved them they were yeah. pro agnostic front okay. big time i mean i saw in 86 the, it was the second or third time I'd seen AF, but 
first time I saw him play in front of a metal crowd was the Wayne of Blood tour. Mm. It was and it was the tail end of '86. That '85, I saw him at the Motorhead. And they, every metalhead ate it up. I mean, did they, they really? Over in New everything. Orleans, see, in New Orleans, way different, way different. It's hometown though, so it's a little unfair. New York has got. Oh uh, right, you know, yeah. But still, I mean, I didn't think about that. I seeing them then. If you saw them from like. 84 to 88 they were unstoppable yeah they were yeah. high energy yeah. and just i was like that is perfect what i just saw was beautiful without any puff without any the yeah. influence you're saying as far as him more than rollins now in that time yeah. frame it makes perfect sense yeah it's the truth too i mean don't get me wrong i love me some rollins man but it's it's roger murray man it's interesting to me like at that time how far the new york Spread, you know what I mean? Because it's like it was very underground. It was like, yeah, you know, there was, there was. I mean, had, the only way you could find out about it was tape trading or tape trading was huge, huge. I mean, before like '85, none of the bands even had records out. They just had seven inches or anything, and they were like DIY. And right. It was like very regional. And local. Or you would get like if they did the seven inches, you'd get a cassette with all their seven yes. inches and shit like that. <laughs> That's yeah, what yeah. my friends did when I got into it. They yeah. put like, five blood, seven inches that. on a yeah, tape. Exactly. Yeah. It makes life way easier. It yeah. does. <laughs> well, you know, back in the day, I, touring was like, oh god, because I was into boxing, horror films, and music. VHS tapes and cassette tapes and fucking man, I'd bring all this clunky shit. shit. Oh yes, <laughs> I'd make compilation up. fight tapes, all my favorite fights and shit. Oh, I'd, I'd make compilation, hardcore compilations, death metal compilation, whatever you know, just each type, everything down to mellow tunes. And are you a, are you a collector? Do you have like a big record collection? Or I would say it's a decent size collection. Yeah. Yeah, I got, I got like all my parents and stuff. I'll tell you one I don't have that I feel that way about. You know that collector's Beatles cover with them and the meat shop and the the babies and stuff. We had it. I had it. I had it. And I think when I was about between the ages of eight or ten, like that, I. Drew all over it, cut it oh, off, and it. oh, I wrecked it! I wrecked it! I destroyed it! Yeah. So <laughs> I would say, well, I got this Beatles album. Yeah, yeah. well, that's like having GI Joes that you rip the heads off of. I wasn't allowed to have GI Joes. No war in my house. No guns in my house. None of that okay, shit. I grew up in what 1960, whatever, in Vietnam. I lived with a Vietnam vet when I was a oh, kid. Oh, so he wanted nothing that inside. No, that's my mom. My, it was my mother. And my aunt, her sister, it was her boyfriend. So he would wake up in the night with night terrors and screaming. So I grew up with that. And they were of the hippie mindset of the late 60s and 70s. And to this day, I'm I'm, I'm anti-gun. I'll be honest with you. I don't like them. I'm realist. I know in America, there's guns. There you go. Count me out. Not a fan. Was that unusual for the area that you grew up in? I was in the French Quarter, man, so... It it was just a group of artists down there, man. Like, my aunt worked at the theater troupe, so I was all surrounded by all the the theater troops and all... No, no, no. The South, the New Orleans is more integrated and more forward than any of these fucking other places, and especially up here in the East Coast when everybody says, oh, the South is, is racist and that and whatever. Fuck that. No way. New Orleans? Are you kidding me? 
So more All progressive my, and more of a melting pot than people assume? I don't like the, using that word progressive because I do not do not agree with the politics of the progressive I understand, too. At all, because to me they're inherently fucking racist. But other than that, so forward, it using is your word. absolutely forward-thinking right. and absolutely, uh, you know, people are tribal or whatever in, in their own way. But when you're raised in a city that... Your teachers are black, your police officers, city leaders, mayors, everything, everything, the jazz fest, everything, the Mardi Gras parades and whatnot. I honestly, when I, it took me moving out of New Orleans to even believe that racism and shit like that was real I, I just I don't believe in it I don't believe it I think there's good and bad people that's all there is to it and uh, just for in New Orleans it's just hey man we, everybody gets along man you know we just we realize everybody's different we just get along and get along with it I don't I don't buy into all this shit that I hear in the news and stuff it's fucking bullshit amen yeah, we're getting, the rap. we're getting the rap sign. I'm sure. <laughs> and when they're on that subject, yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much. My it's man. a, a yeah, pleasure. It's you. always a pleasure. I'll, I'll come back on too. Yeah, we, yeah. We, when we, I'm home, I'll we'd just love to do a long form. It would let's be, uh, do it. It'd be great. That would be so all fucking deep into the anything, shit metal. anything y'all want, <laughs> man. Oh, music-wise, we it's go for better days. when I get like uh, if I have my computer in front of me, I have some references to. Oh, right. Like say, whoa, there we go. Anything from horror flicks to music to. Anything. I love that because then I can steal some shit from you. Yeah, I'll send you some stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm stealing some stuff from you too. Yeah. Well, awesome. Thank you so much. Oh, we appreciate it, brother. Thanks, well, Appreciate absolutely, it. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right.